I now understand you. Oh, that went that went quick. Hey, everyone! Hey, you're recording. <laughs> we are in chapter three of Captain's Log. You've been uh, joined us last week for premiering it um, and, and talking about. It. We know this is the month of July that this is coming out, and so we're happy to uh, talk to you about some of the Easter eggs and teasers and the minds behind crafting this new version of Star Trek Adventures, a solo RPG. I'm Michael Dismuke. I'm a blogger on Continuing Missions, which is the number one blog a site for Star Trek Adventures RPG. I'm also a freelance writer for Star Trek Adventures and had the privilege of working on Captain's Log as a lead writer. We also have with us today, Jim Johnson. Hey everybody, Jim Johnson. I'm the uh, project manager and line editor for the Star Trek Adventures RPG, uh, published by Modiphius Entertainment. Load these many years now, seven going on eight. Uh, tons of products, just a great game. Um, really fortunate and grateful to be here. Um, I'm also the co-host on this here uh, podcast with Michael, uh, 80 plus episodes strong going on two years now, uh, which is uh, a little hard to imagine, but uh, great that we're doing it. And uh, we've got a long runway still ahead of us yet. I know we've got at least 20 episodes planned for more stuff and we got more products coming all the time. There's new Star Trek coming out all the time. So I think uh, until we just get tired of it, <laughs> we'll keep going. Uh, but uh, for now, anyway, we got uh, we have more Captain's Log to talk about. So I'm super excited. And uh, we have one of the writers uh, who was involved in Captain's Log with us tonight. Josh, why don't you introduce yourself? Hey, thanks. Um, Josh Allen. I am a freelance writer and contributor to Captain's Log. Mm-hmm. And hopefully more SDA stuff as your time allows. Oh, I, know I love it. <laughs> I know you're crazy busy, but uh, I'll, keep, uh, I'll, keep, I'll keep pinging you. And, uh, oh, I love that. Thank you, Jim. Yeah, hopefully our schedules will line up at some point where we can get you to play with us again here, uh, here real soon. But uh, yeah, so... Um, Michael is feeling a teeny bit under the weather, so he's going to try to give me the reins tonight. We'll see how that works out, and uh, I'm not going to hold my breath, but uh, we'll see what happens here. Those of you who have watched the show for a while know that Michael just can't help himself, and uh, even when he's not feeling well, he still finds a way to to rise to the occasion and and find that find that second or third or fourth win. Uh, it he- makes me feel so good. <laughs> Like we talk about Star Trek all the time, but he can't stop talking about it. So, uh, so yeah, so here we are. So uh, last, uh, last time we talked about the first two chapters, which was kind of the intro to Star Trek, intro to, intro to um, Star Trek, uh, the society, the franchise, all the things that make the franchise work, um, what your characters would expect to know in the setting. So, you know, with the, how's technology work, how's the society work, what's the perspective on religion and all that stuff. And now we're actually getting into the into the real meat of the game part of things where like if you already know all that stuff that we're in this first two chapters, fine, great. The introduction tells you if you already know all this stuff, don't worry about it, skip right to chapter three. Start building your character. And uh, and this is where the real the real game part of Captain's Log really starts starts things running is because uh, like, you know, obviously this is a solo RPG experience. And in order for you to have a solo RPG experience, you gotta have a character. You gotta have a alter ego or a a tune or a, a whatever version, whatever thing you want to call that creation that you're creating to live into the Star Trek universe, uh, you need to be building it. So uh, chapter three is all about reporting for duty, all about creating your character. Um, and uh, for those of you who are familiar with Star Trek Adventures, this will look very familiar. Uh, those of you who've read either of the core rule books or the Rules Digest and uh, the Player's Guide, 
a lot of the content in here is going to be very familiar to you. And the reason we put it in here is because it's all really good content uh, that Nathan and, and Michael and Al and Josh and a bunch of other writers all put together. And uh, we had the opportunity with this book to kind of like take the best of breed and, and take all those best bits that we've learned over seven years of developing this game and slap it all together into a new chapter and, and do a top-down complete rewrite of a lot of this stuff. Uh, so I, I, you know, I don't mean to say slap it together as in, you know, like a derogatory kind of fashion, but like character generation is character generation is character generation, right? We've done it pretty well on Star Trek Adventures and we wanted to pull all that good stuff into one place so that a, a player coming into this game could create a Star Trek Starfleet captain because it's Captain's Log. That's kind of the conceit is that you're going to play captain and do your captain thing and you're going to be in charge of the ship and everything else. But because there is such a wealth of material over the last seven years, you could play literally any character you want to inhabiting the Star Trek universe, any species, any role, any ship, any polity. Like you don't have to play a captain. You don't have to play a Starfleet captain. You can play literally anything. And we try to give you as many tools as possible in this chapter to make that happen. Uh, in addition, because of course it's also a solo RPG, there's tons of um, randomizers in here. Like there's a lot of uh, what they what some other games call oracles. We call them probability matrices. There's lots of tables in here. So if you just come into this completely new to Star Trek, completely new to everything, you have no idea what you want to play. Let the dice help you. Let the probability matrices help you, and and just roll up something random and cool and different, and then just see what happens. Right? Just get into it. Get into the game and just see what happens. In fact, I'm really eager at some point when I have some free time uh, that I'm going to grab this book and I'm going to play it just completely 100% random and just see what happens. I'm going to make a random character. I'm going to make a random ship. And I'm going to go into a random situation and just see what that session one looks like uh, for my new character and just and just literally just see what happens. Because uh, like I know Star Trek you know pretty well and I have some very clear ideas on like what kind of stories I would want to tell using Captain's Log. But I really want to come, I want to see if I can come at it from a complete newbie perspective and just see what happens, right? And just so we can record that and uh, and see what happens. So yeah. I've been talking long enough. Michael, anything to add to that? Well, I just want to compliment Josh. Um, I've actually, I've never worked with someone so detail-oriented before in this in the RPG arena. And I know this is Josh's first time out the gates. This was his, this is his very first RPG product. Correct me if I'm wrong. Yes, Josh. this is my first one. Yeah, yeah and, and I, like the level of detail he went into it. I mean, so even though, yeah, we may have brought stuff in from Star Trek Adventures, he fine-tooth combed it. And he would ask me at odd hours a day, like, does this really work for Captain's Log for solo RPG? So, so it, it taught me a whole nother level of detail. So I just wanted to say, right off the bat josh thank you because chapter three was really the crux that that launches the rest of the book because of course you need a character or else you have nothing so you put a lot of blood sweat and tears into it oh thanks a lot michael i really appreciate that and um so i, I guess we could talk a little bit about the chapter itself but josh i really want to hear your perspective on on what michael just said in terms of like, like what was your thought process involved in supporting the development of this in terms of like, you know, you were pulling all those disparate pieces together and analyzing them and evaluating them and then, you know, asking the questions of like, what fits, what doesn't fit, does this fit, et cetera. Um, now, you know what, maybe let's start with that uh, before we get into the, the the necessity of like what's actually in the chapter. Tell us a little bit about like how you approached um, your piece of the, of the development um, on this one. Sounds great. Um, yeah, there were so many aspects. Uh, it seemed so simple at first uh, because the direction that I got from you two was, you know, really just build on what we have. And, you know, the tricorder pack had come out. 
um, a lot of this stuff had been gone through. So I think there's been a lot of, you know, refreshes done to the great, you know, life path character creation rule set. And so it was in a very good state. And so on the surface, it could be as easy as really just, you know, taking that content and adapting it for a solo environment uh, where, you know, the voice of the book. So that was one aspect was take this life path creation and really make it about you. Because when you read the original core rule book, it's talking about, it's really almost written for a game master to then understand what their players are going to be doing. If you listen to the voice in the life path. And so, and that makes sense because, you know, as a game master, you're also going to build NPCs, but here, um, you don't need to build NPCs. You just build yourself as a character. And so I really liked that, you know, change in tone. It really, I think, makes you feel like you're playing a different game when you read Captain's Log. Um, so that on the surface sounded like, okay, this is an easy, <laughs> easy task. And um, I just have to change a bunch of pronouns in the text. Um, but there were some other, you know, uh, you know, agendas for this game that I think were, you know, really well oriented towards that solo play and really tailoring, tailoring it for journaling. Um, and uh, so one, for example, was wanting to simplify some of the character elements where it's a little bit um, more coarse grained. It's a little bit more narrative oriented. There are fewer fine grained you know, it's, it's still rolling dice, but um, for example, there aren't challenge dice. So if you fire your phaser, that's just resolved as a task and not as a, you know, a secondary damage roll. So you don't need damage stats. And in fact, you don't need equipment, etc. So there's a, a few elements of the character that are simpler. So that then was maybe the first aspect that, you know, meant there were some changes that the life path had to go through. And again, I love the methodical approach. Like the, I, I learned so much just about your methodical approach about thinking about stuff. I would have skimmed over it, honestly, to tell you the truth. And you started breaking it down like you were playing it before it was even created. And I thought those kind of thoughtfulness is what made chapter three such a new read for me. And again, I'm a, I play this game now, even before it's published, <laughs> I've been playing it. Um, so it worked for me. Yeah, me too. Actually, that was a really fun thing. I mean, this being, you know, the first role playing game I've ever worked on um, was I tried to get testing it at the earliest possible moment. And I, I'm an engineer in my day job and we, you know, we do a lot of test first, you know, test driven development. So I really wanted to get in there and be testing. Uh, building a character and then taking them for a test drive. Uh, so that was a really fun aspect of of adapting these rules. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think another aspect of uh, how to sort of collate all this material was that, Jim, you had said pretty early on that you really wanted all of the options that were given to players of, you know, the full, you know, 2D20 multiplayer game um, to be available to players of Captain's Log. So, for example, all the casts that are available to Klingon characters in the Klingon core rulebook, and then uh, all of the civilian aspects uh, that are introduced in the, in the uh, I think it's the player's guide, um, that just add this whole area of depth of different kinds of characters that you can build. And so I think, you know, all that content was out there, but I'm not sure whether there was, a, you know, a rulebook or source book that sort of tried to create a grand unified theory of all these things fitting together. So I had to sort of 
um, go through uh, Klingon and um, Player's Guide and then the original core, core rulebook and sort of almost write them in parallel and sort of see how they fit together. And fortunately, they actually fit together incredibly well because they're very well designed. Um, and then I just tried to sort of come up with some terminology that sort of, um, you know, the step where, for example, you are coming up with your upbringing in the life path. Well, that's called a cast in the Klingon, you know, life path. And that is called an aspiration. It's, it's just reimagined as something that you're being drawn towards when you're a civilian character. So um, I was sort of trying to think, well, what is what is this called? And I, I sort of thought that this is kind of, this forms your outlook, maybe an early outlook that you have. And maybe you're going to, you know, diverge from that, or maybe you're going to continue, you know, along the path that that's taking you. And so it was actually really helpful to kind of, as a player, <laughs> you know, a lover of Star Trek adventures to sort of think through all these different variants um, and see how that they all actually make sense as part of the same character generation system. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I just, I, I love how you pulled all that together and, and, and that we had so much content that you were able to, to draw on. I mean, I don't think we could have done this book three years ago, you know, four years ago, because we just didn't have the wealth of content that we do now. And, uh, you know, we were, we were really fortunate that Nathan was available to work on the Klingon core book. So he was able to do a whole new life path specifically for Klingons. And then he was, uh, you know, when we were developing the player guide and the game master guide, he had room in his schedule to contribute a lot to that as well. So that's where he went into more detail on some of the civilian stuff and some of the other alternate life paths that he had always been thinking about and maybe adapting for other 2D20 games. But he always wanted to come in. He always wanted to bring it back to Star Trek somehow at some point. He just didn't know when. And uh, just in talking to him, we were like, oh, well, we could do this. And so, uh, and then, you know, plus the other writers were working on the player's guide and the game master guide. And of course you came in too, and you got to see all the different pieces that were there and kind of like bring it all into a, like, like you said, the unified whole. And uh, this is, this is the, this is the book. This is, this is like the culmination almost of seven years of Star Trek adventures, you know, not just character development, but just like stuff that we've all been able to kind of like pull together. Um, although it's, you know, not, not although, but, um, the interesting thing about it, the interesting wrinkle is that like all the talents that we've developed over the years, uh, just not, not even a factor because we decided fairly early on to just omit talents entirely just to try to streamline the rule set a little bit and try to streamline character generation and really focus in on, on what, what you were saying before, focus in on the storytelling. And uh, I know that Michael and I, and I think you and others have long talked on this show about how... Um, like if, if we're riffing on creating characters, the most important things that we've discovered, at least, I mean, you know, certainly other players would have different perspectives. Like, but if you've got the players, if you've got the characters values and their focuses, you've got a character, right? That, that is everything you need to role play a character. Um, the talents are really super focused more on the mechanical side of things. Although there are some great talents that are, that could be very narrative, in, uh, in in scope and, and and just like perspective, if you have a particular talent, that might very strongly inform your character's role playing. Um, but what uh, we ended yeah. up doing about that was mm -hmm. to the point we merged talents and focuses. So we went through all the I went I I helped with the uh, focuses piece of it and went through all of it. And so you will find things that are talents in Star Trek Adventures that now become focuses here because of your point about how some talents are like uh, how some talents really form your character, right? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. 
All right, great. Uh, so uh, I guess we can talk a little bit about just what's here. Um, I, again, I, I'd like to really try to focus the rest of the episode uh, more on more toward new players and, and people new to STA as opposed to focusing on here's how this is different from STA. Like, I mean, obviously, Star Trek Adventures players, we told you in the first episode, this, this book is probably not aimed toward you. Because like you're gonna have seen a lot of this stuff already. If you've got a core book, you've seen a lot of the content in here. If you've got the player guide or the game master guide, you've seen a chunk of the content to some extent. Um, and, and so this game, this book is really oriented toward uh, people who want a solo journaling experience, but also it's it's really aiming at at people who are casual fans, new fans of Star Trek, new fans of role playing, want to get get into it, want to play. Maybe they just can't find a group in their area. They can't find somebody to game master for them. Uh, whatever, but uh, the hardcore Star Trek Adventures players that are out there, and I know you're out there, this this book may not be aimed at you, even though there's a lot of great content in here that will probably absolutely inform your game, uh, especially the probability matrices. I'm confident you will find a use for those all day long in your games. Uh, Michael, you look like you have something to say. I, I only have one pushback because, again, I, I, I'm living it right now with a, yeah. with with one of the one of the um, play testers who started by playing four games of Captain's Log, mm -hmm. asked to play Star Trek Adventures, uh, and when no one else is available, goes back to playing Captain's Log. That's awesome. So he's transferring his character back and forth. So and myself, I'm doing the same thing now. So yeah. so uh, I just want to add that. Everyone be open-minded about this because this is a this could be a variation to your Star Trek Adventures game too. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think I mentioned in the last episode, like uh um when I was playing a Star Trek Adventures game, I mean ages ago, when there it was just a homebrew system, we didn't have Star Trek Adventures or we didn't have a Black Unicorn games or Decipher. Um, we would play, and then when we weren't playing, I would just be writing short stories about my character. Right, because I, I, I just I had so much creativity, and I had I loved the character, and I loved the setting, and I loved the ship we were on, and the game we were playing. But I just wanted to keep I wanted to keep telling more stories, even though my friends couldn't get together at a game every other night because we didn't have the Discord like asynchronous kind of idea yet. Like it just didn't exist. You know, of course, the internet barely existed thirty years ago, right? Um, but like I'm thinking now, now if I were to get into a game and play it consistently. Like I would still be absolutely using Captain's Log to tell more stories with my character when I'm not with the rest of the group because I, I can't turn it off, right? Then like when you get into a into a great game and you want to keep telling stories, if, if if you can't get the game master to do some side stuff with you, like some B plots or some subplot scenes or something, uh, this is going to be a great outlet for you to just get more story out and and really dig into the character and, and play with uh, perspectives and angles and stuff. Uh, Josh, anything you want to add on that one? Uh, yeah, I, I would add something to that, which is, uh, first of all, I love that because I know that there was an objective to make characters compatible, you know, between the games, which it sounds like it's working. So that's great. Um, the other thing is, I really feel like there is something special that can happen in a solo game uh, that's centered around your character that um, that I sort of had a revelation in, in putting this chapter together. Um, about where that where that comes from and you know it was when i was getting to the assignment or the role of your character and like you were saying earlier jim you don't have to be a captain uh, of course you could be a captain of a um pirate ship you could be a captain of an eagle scout troop you could be you know you could sort of uh you could really have any any assignment that you could imagine in a trek story um and you know it the assignment really 
if anything, just completely determines what what type of story you're going to tell around this character. Because if you can sort of imagine taking one of your favorite characters who's not a captain from, from Star Trek and following them around, you know, as if there's a, you know, spinoff show just about them, um, whether it's the flight controller or whether it's the ship's counselor or whether it is the chief scientist, um, you're going to have a completely different almost genre of story than what you would get in an ensemble story that sort of, you know, hits all the beats of a, you know, a starship show or a space station show. And I just think it's so cool. It's sort of like uh, some of the genre experimentation that we see and with shows like Strange New Worlds that are sort of doing a different genre every episode. Um, you can really use this framework to create stories that just go off in crazy ways. Um, I, I want to play it uh, because I have so many ideas of what you could do um, telling really personal stories in the Trek universe, um, but really focused on uh, a very different kind of action and, and character development than what you see in these ensemble shows. Yeah. yeah, you saying that reminds me of Sonia Gomez in in uh, Starfleet Corps of Engineers. Her development of a character could very well be a Captain's Log game, that level of game, or or even later on when they go to Garrick in the novels. I think they did a Dayton Warder kit, Mac, right, right, that. But Garrick's story as Catalan of the Cardassian Empire could totally fit into this game. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, there's. I mean, there's so many examples from Star Trek that you can pull on, right? Like, like that episode with Picard, uh, the Inner Light, right? The Inner Light could be one huge, you know, standalone Captain's Log thing where, like, the player of Picard is like, well, I want, you know, I, I want to go do my own story and I'm going to do this thing. And this whole life experience happens. And then, you know, depending on how they prepare it, right? If they, if they like, create an ebook, like I know, Michael, you do ebooks for, uh, for Pioneer. Or if they just do like you know some word documents or just throw throw it together in a in a in a text file or something, they can share that with the other players at the game. And and if those players are invested in each other, which you know ideally they would be, maybe they'll read it and they'll say, oh, that was a really interesting experience and story you had. And uh, and then that can inform your campaign, right? That can that can add more texture and details to your campaign. Oh or God, or not? That's fine too. You just gave me an idea that people could do when they're doing their career events. They could go into solo RPG to define that career event even more, and then go ahead and bring it back into Star Trek Adventures. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, or, or, um, of course, now we're riffing. We're getting off the topic a little bit. I knew this would happen, but it's okay because, I, I, Josh, I want you back because uh, at some point we're going to talk about how you can combine Captain's Log with any of the other um, uh, backlists of our of our of our products, and like. What kind of interesting combinations do you get when you combine Captain's Log with the Lower Decks book, or Captain's Log with the Discovery book? It gets into that tone where you were talking about where how you can you can do any given Captain's Log session and have a completely different genre, completely different tone, completely different you know angle and perspective and stuff. Um, so yeah, I'd love to get you back uh, to talk about that. But no, Michael, you're absolutely right. In fact, I, I was just literally thinking about this partly because we were we had that conversation with the Pioneer crew just recently. Um, um, if a given player is going to miss a session or several sessions or is going to be on vacation for a few weeks or whatever, and the rest of the crew is off doing their thing, the player could say, oh, well, you know, I was at the academy doing advanced tactical training or some BS like that. Or they could jump into Captain's Log and actually do a full-blown episode storyline or whatever, partly random or partly not random, 
and then they can share that with the rest of the group and say, well, here's what here's what uh, my character's been up to in that in that in that time. Kind of like what I think what Al did, right? He had a whole storyline going on, and that could have easily been transformed into something with Captain's Log, where he was doing that on his own. He didn't necessarily need you as a game master to be there. He could just you know go do it, right? So yeah, I think I think this is just going to really expand the possibilities of stuff that players can do with the game, whether they're in a campaign or they're just on their own and doing like like uh, you know guided fan fiction or just like whatever whatever they want, right? Yeah. All right, uh, so we'll uh, talk just again. I didn't want to go too too much in the weeds on like the mechanics of things, but um, for those that are like new to new to RPGs, like we're going to ease you into this because because we're really giving you two options to create your character. If and what I really appreciate about what you what you two did with this creating the character was like you actually put a timestamp on the two the two different modes of creating a character. There's the full blown life path. Which is you know soup to nuts. Here's your character from the beginning of their life, basically, to their to the, where they are in their career, where you're starting the game, whether they're a captain or the chief medical officer or a head civilian, whatever scientist, whatever that character is at, at the start of the game. You're doing their full life path, everything that that makes them them from their from their 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 home world, their early life, their their uh, academy training or their college or how do they learn to do what they do, some career events. And then where they're starting, so you can do that full blown life path. We put a rough, or you all put a rough estimate of forty five minutes to sixty minutes to do that life path, which I think is fair. Um, if you really want to get into the weeds, you would certainly do more time. If you want to be a little bit quicker, there are some random tables you can roll on, so you don't have to take quite that much time. But so there's there's some flexibility there. But I really like that you kind of like you're really being thoughtful about building that character. You know, give yourself an hour, get some snacks, get your get your favorite drink, get settled in, find an easy chair. Go to a cafe. I mean, whatever makes you happy and, and you know hits that creativity, you can do that. Uh, but then we do offer another option to play the to create a character, and that's the creation and play method, where you're getting just a few basic elements, and then you're getting into the story as soon as possible, and then you're making it up as you go. Uh, I thought I'd have you two just uh, offer some perspectives on 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 um, not so much positives and negatives, but just the the different benefits of the two uh, the two character generation approaches. Well, something I would say about that is I think when you do the full life path, even though it takes a little bit of extra time, it's just a really fun mini game. You feel like you're already playing the game. Uh, you start, it's, it's a framework for coming up with ideas. Like if you really don't have a sense of exactly where this, you know, this character is coming from, if you want to just be as rank, you know, you want to let the probability matrix essentially determine uh, who you're playing, then I think this is a great framework where um, you can even roll, you can choose from a list. Um, it will really help give you the structure for this character and it'll be fun in the process. Um, I personally really like the creation and play aspect. I think that has its own advantages, which is that you can respond to the random events that are happening in you know, in the probability matrix. So if you encounter a situation where um, you could really use a certain competency, maybe you're really good at games of chance, maybe you, you know, know a musical instrument, um, you can sort of fill in these blanks as you go and you're not breaking any rules, you know, you're not uh, breaking the game, you're just sort of taking, you know, the last minute to, to get that detail in there. And then you're committed to that detail and it becomes part of the storyline just as part of your character sheet. So they both have benefits. 
Yeah, I'm going to have to go with the creation and play too. I've been pleasantly surprised at my hero captain because also like, they know how to do that. And I literally am saying like, oh my God, they know how to do that. Or, or they'll say something because I'm writing dialogue for them and imagining dialogue. And I'm like, oh my God, that's their value. And I just clip that and put it into the value box slot. And, and it feels like I'm watching a real TV show like Jack Bauer on 24. And all of a sudden it's like, oh, I'm, whoa, this guy's like the coolest person, you know, or whoever you're playing. So I, I have to say because of my improv love, my love of improv and surprising myself, I, I've really dug creation and play. Yeah. And I think uh, one of the things I appreciate about creation and play, and I, I've really warmed up to it more over the years as I've thought about it, and as I get more into the into the weeds on on just character and writing, and 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 th- I mean, this book is really hitting all those all those all those aspects. Because it's not just it's just not just role playing. It's writing. It's it's creating. It's it's um, getting really down into like building a series and a set of characters. And what what I really like about creation and play is it really kind of mirrors what we get in the series, right? So like you know when when a series starts and you're watching the pilot like even the actors kind of have a vague idea of what their characters are, but they may have some very good specifics on, on what's, what, what's important to the character. Why is the character doing what they're doing? And even like the writers might have a writer's Bible and they'll have a couple paragraphs about the character or something. Right. But they don't know. They don't know everything about the character because they they know they've got seven seasons, hopefully, or, or four seasons, at least they, they have at least 50 episodes ahead of them that they're going to start discovering all this stuff. And they've, they've already been, you know, writing ahead. They've got several episodes writing ahead. But, like, um, that is really, truly how the actors and the audience discover characters as you're watching a TV show, right? You, I mean, you talked about uh, Bauer in 24. Absolutely good, you know, great, great uh, thing to compare to. But, I mean, look, I mean, literally any Star Trek episode, any Star Trek series, you're going to see that from the very beginning. You have a sense of what Janeway is like in the first episode, but you don't really get the full enormity because the full scope of her character because you just haven't had time with her yet and so the the actor is discovering the the character as they go the writers are discovering the character as they go and the writers are being informed by the actor right making choices and the actor is being informed by the writers because they're making choices and then the audience is along for the ride because they're just they're learning more about the character as they're as they're watching and so as a player of this game not only are you like the director and the producers and the writers but you're also the actor and the audience right because especially when you bring in the 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 random element right the probability matrices you may not know always know what your character is going to do you might have a sense of how they might react to something but if you're not sure then you know roll on that 50 50 probability matrix and see which way they'll lean and then some you know some new event will come up and you can roll on the random table for that and uh, and you'll discover like this whole thing will unspool in front of you just like an epi- like you were to pull up an episode of uh, you know Discovery or, or you know here we are uh, Stranger Worlds is just about is just about to start up season two of Stranger Worlds is about to hit and we don't know we have no idea what's going to happen right so uh, we're just going to watch it and enjoy it and see what new details they add to the characters. Uh, uh, I was like, <clears throat> yeah go ahead. No, I was playing this the other day yeah. and. I know it's going to sound funny, so I'll explain it. I said, man, I really need to create some more probability matrices based off of the drama in Jane Austen novels, because that would really enrich in my character. If all of a sudden they're interacting with different people, I can roll something random like background for this person because I, I'm getting to the point like okay the probably I'm sorry the probability matrices are very focused on you know um, uh, missions and strange new worlds and boldly going creatures but I'm a very 
personality driven player. And I'm like, man, I, I, I know we didn't have room for it, but I would have definitely done some Jane Austen matrices just mm. to throw in some drama to the story. Mm. And that, that sounds like a great kind of uh, supplemental material that would find a very happy home on a continuing mission, right? <laughs> Josh, I, I see you uh, nodding and reacting. Do you have anything you want to add? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's it's kind of cool. We were talking earlier about how, you know, the the career and the environment and the um, upbringing sort of all mesh all the different, you know, variants of those. They work mechanically the same way and they mesh. And I think similarly, you know, when it comes to some of these randomly assigned values or randomly assigned focuses or, you know, um, I think there's a there's a room for, you know, the community to sort of open source some of their own, you know, uh, packs, if you will, of, of, you know, like you could you could put your your uh, Jane Austen sort of um, interpersonal drama matrix up there and you, you could have all kinds of matrices that really go um, deep into some aspect of, you know, what we see in a TV drama um, that, you know, people can then, you know, go download that roll against it. Um, I think it's a great way to extend the possibilities for solo players, you know, even though there's a huge array of options that are here in the book. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I know that, that we just didn't possibly have enough space or page count to go into like species focused um, probability charts. Like, like the, like a whole, we could do a whole slate of Klingon stuff, a whole slate of Romulan stuff, Cardassian, Bajoran, et cetera, et cetera. Because all those different species are going to approach life in very different ways and have very different perspectives on things and may have different situations thrown at them that, you know, you can roll on. So like, I, I could see all kinds of possibilities for that in terms of like, uh, if someone wants to take it, take on a bunch of, um, you know, fan-made content all, all about Ferengi or all about packlets, maybe. Maybe I'll do some packlet stuff <laughs> at some point. Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, there's just a, just a wealth of potential here. And uh, it's just really exciting to see um, how much we were able to pack into just this, right? I mean, you guys did a great job with this chapter. Um, so I want to go back just a little bit. So again, uh, so fans new to the game, uh, all characters are going to have six attributes, uh, which is like their physical, mental uh, component components. And then there are six disciplines. The six disciplines are tied to the uh, the six elements of Star Trek that you know and love: command, con, science, engineering, medical, and um, um, tactical. Uh, you know, security. And so um, you got six attributes, six disciplines. You add those together to, to attempt and complete tasks. Uh, but in terms of character generation, you got you assign values to those uh, those twelve things, and then you pick six focuses, or you roll randomly for six focuses, assuming you're doing the life path. If you're doing creation and play, I think you pick one or, or maybe two. I'd have to look at the rules again. Uh, but you're really just getting the basics uh, just enough to get started. And then you can add as you go, which uh, I just I love that concept because, uh, you know, it's like that episode of uh, Strange New Worlds where we were, you know, happily watching along. And all of a sudden we just we discovered that Una is an Illyrian. Right. Had no idea that was coming. <laughs> uh, it's like uh, even in the next gen uh, is a good example where someone is doing something that they'd never done before. And it's like, oh, I didn't know they had that ability. And then maybe they'll they'll touch on it a couple of times in the future episode, or they'll, you know, as is often the want, they'll probably forget about it. And you'll be like, well, wait a minute, six episodes ago, they were doing such and such a thing. Why didn't they do that? And it's like, well, you know, if you're playing Captain's Log, they respect, right? They swapped out that focus for something else. And that's why they can't do it later. Then it's like, oh, okay, that's the way to kind of get around that. But uh, a, lot, a lot of ways you can play with it. 
Uh, yeah, so uh, focuses, of course, um, uh, we really wanted to give players a lot of um, tools to play with. So we add, instead of just kind of encouraging you, like in the in the in the regular STA core books, we encourage we, we offer some 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 lists of sample values, but we really kind of like encourage people to use their creativity to come up with a focus that seems relevant to command or to con or to engineering or something. And in this book, we we wanted to to add that randomizer table to give you a little bit of help. So maybe if you don't really know the setting that well, you may kind of be like, well, I don't even know what a security focus would look like or like an engineering focus would look like. So we give you some uh, some tables that you can roll some dice on and just kind of like help you out and give you some ideas, uh, either you know apply them to your character or or just use them as uh, as, as idea generators. There's a lot of stuff in here. Uh, I think all the all the discipline focus tables are uh, 39 options, right? Yeah. So two, yeah. Two yeah. And this is the compilation. This is right now the compilation of all the work and all the books that we were talking about before. Yeah. Um, Player's Guide, Core, Klingon. This is all compiled into one spot. So um, I thought that this is a great uh, tool that, again, could apply anywhere. But but um, a lot of work that Josh put all those pieces together to get into yeah. smooth life path creator. Yeah, and then we we give the the values a similar treatment. Um, unfortunately, we we just it was really really hard to do some of the layout on this. And, and unfortunately, when you get into layout, um, there are certain sacrifices you have to make. And so originally we had a, we had a values table, like a, a random values table that was I think forty or maybe even sixty options long, and we had to cut it down. And I, I didn't want to cut it completely because I know that values is probably the number one thing that players in STA have the most difficulty with. Um, you know, even though we try to offer advice on online on the blogs and in the player's guide and in the core books, um, values seems to be one of those tricky things that people just don't quite have their hand head wrapped around. And so we tried to give some really clear examples and some really clear advice in here, but also we put a, a values matrix together to just like roll randomly and just, you know, grab one and just see how it works. Um, and hopefully that'll help spark some ideas, spark some uh, some energy. And then, like Michael said, you know, as you get into it and you're writing your dialogue and you're writing your story, maybe you'll look at something and go, "Oh, wait a minute, that's 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 the character saying that something that's important to them. Let me pull that out. They're, that's their value right there." And in fact, I, I've long said, and I know Nathan has has said this too, in uh, character generation, uh, if you're watching the show, the characters will often tell you in dialogue what they believe or what's important to them. And like I, I think, in fact, if you look at most of our products, I'd say probably ninety, probably ninety percent of the values that you see for all the NPCs or all the characters that we've written is dialogue pulled straight out of a movie or a TV episode or something, because that's the best place to find to find that stuff. But um, we wanted to at least give you some help for that. Uh, um, again, Josh, I see, I see you nodding. Uh, what, what's your uh, what would you want to add to this? Yeah, I think that um, the open-ended nature of focuses and values is one of the most powerful and fun aspects of this game. Um, and it's just so great that you don't have to start, you know, just coming up with this stuff on your own. So uh, having those tables, I think, just really shows you, it gives you a sense of what a value should look like. Um, but then it also just lets you get out the door. Maybe your first character is completely generated uh, from the tables and then you you get a hang for the system and then you decide to make another one and, and actually compose them yourself. Yep, absolutely. 
Um, and so, you know, I, I know we've been talking about this for, for a while now. I hopefully folks don't feel too overwhelmed, but if you do, you know, rest assured that we really tried to make sure that we offered a way that made it easy for you to follow through the life path. And so we actually created a flowchart. Josh, and I know Josh did a huge amount of work on this, uh, sketching, sketching it out and then laying it out. And then we continued to refine it and refine it with the graphic designer once we got to the to the layout stage. And uh, we got it to a place where I'm, I think I'm happy with it. I think I need to see how people react to it. Um, and I, I, even looking at it in, in its final form, I'm like, I wish we had moved some things around a little differently. But um, we really wanted to show at a glance, like step one, step two, step three, very clear progression. And uh, um, just to help players, you know, kind of you know, visualize where they are in the life path and what they need to be thinking about without a lot of um, um, additional explanatory text built around it. Because it was just like one simple flow chart, very clear, easy to understand. Look at it. Okay, I'm on this step. Here's where I, where I got to go. Boom, I'm done. I want to give some background on Josh on this. One of the yeah, reasons yeah. I dragged Josh into this project, because again, he had never done anything Star Trek adventures before freelance writing for RPG. He plays with me um, in our in our game. What attracted me to Josh in the first place is I'm aware that he actually plays Star Trek adventures with his kids. And he used to post... <clears throat> You didn't do it on continuing missions. I would see it somewhere. You would post these little drawings of charts that he did so that his kids could visually understand the rules of the game. I've been begging him to publish these on continuing missions. He has not done it yet. So when, <laughs> so when you said, Jim, that you wanted flow charts so that our visual learners, the people who don't want to read a block of text, could simply see the flow of the game, I was like, Josh has got to be involved in this. And Josh knocked it out of the park. He did exactly what I knew he would be able to do and translate these flow charts so that now I picture myself like playing the game and printing out the charts on my wall or keeping it in a little packet with me, laying them out in front of me, roll dice on them, quick check, fl flow through them. So that's one of the boons of this game is, is you're going to finally see Josh's artistic flow chart process management side um, benefit us all. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not just, um, it's not just for, for people who don't want to read the text, right? It's, it's for people who, who can't like, like whether, whether there's a neural, neural, neurodivergent issue or or they're visual learners or or they just can't parse blocks of text or walls of text and they need just a quick visual representation because like i i know having played a just a ton of card games and board games like like really good board games and card games they can show they can give you the rules in like one page and like you see the flow charts and you see the the basic graphic explanation you're like boom i've got it i'm good i'm on my way and uh, you don't have to necessarily absorb a 300-page tome of RPG stuff dropped on your head. And you're like, oh, my gosh, how am I even going to get through this? And um, um, I know that, you know, especially in this day and age, the younger generations are much more visual than, than like my generation ever was. Um, um, and, and so we need to find ways to, to make the games even more accessible and to everybody, right? Not just people who prefer to read, but also just people who... Who can who can work through that? And like, I mean, I'm even thinking about my son, right? He's seven. He's just now learning to read and get comfortable with it. I would never want him to have to go through something like this. And be like, you know, because uh, I wouldn't want him to feel intimidated by the, the the material, right? Just in terms of like, how do I even just play this game, right? He's 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 really good with symbols and colors and uh, and and matching that stuff up. 
and he's like I said, he's learning to read, but uh, it's just a very different perspective uh, yeah. of, of, of presenting the the material. You want to talk about it, Josh? Like how that translated into this? I wish yeah, I wish absolutely. we could show visuals of what your work yeah. before, but that. Oh, uh, thank thank you so much, by the way, Michael. I really appreciate that. Um, my kids did benefit from that, and you know, it was always fun to have at the table and. Um, sometimes I'll have activities where some of their friends will want to play and it's always nice to just get somebody going, you know, with this visual that can really sum it up, um, you know, whether it's a rule mechanic or a character building or, or whatever. Um, but I personally, I am a visual learner, so I, I actually feel like this is a tool that I need and um, whether it's work or, you know, a hobby or, or any kind of task that involves a lot of, you know, executive function it's difficult for me to get my hands around it until I make a drawing for myself. So I love reading, you know, the, the life path. It's, it's a great read. It's a great little mini game, as I said, but then if you want to make your second and third and fourth and fifth character, every time I go to, you know, to check a rule, I sort of, now I want to go to the index and I want to sort of understand, okay, how did this work again? And so, um, I always find that it's a, it's just a, good step for personal understanding to just make a diagram. So um, so it was cool to be able to do that for the life path here. I think it'll help Captain's Log players. And uh, I think it has some relevance to, to um, Star Trek Adventures players as well. So um, yeah, thanks. It was a great, great opportunity and it was a joy to do that. Yeah, absolutely. Huge, huge value add to have have you involved in, uh, in, in contributing those flowcharts because that's that, that I think that really makes the the whole chapter work, right? Because you're you're not just providing all the options; you're actually showing how all those options fit and and how it all comes together. Uh, so I'm really really grateful that that you were able to um, pull that all together. So thank you, <laughs> appreciate it. Um, so yeah, so uh, again, without going into the weeds too much here, uh, we offer a lot of species options. Um, so like, uh, and we break it down by era. So if you're look, playing in the in like the enterprise era, early, uh, you know, 22nd century, uh, heading into the 23rd century, there's a list of options. Uh, we go into the original series era, so that's, you know, the 23rd century, uh, original series, uh, Strange New Worlds, early discovery, the movies, uh, just a wealth of species options in that time frame. Uh, and then there's the next generation era, which covers everything else after uh, original series. Uh, that includes, um, I mean, pretty much uh well no not quite everything that we we didn't quite have room for all the like 32nd century species like the um the kelpians and the quajon and uh because i think they're still working they're, we're still discovering the 32nd century and um so we we mostly focused on um uh you know enterprise through next gen through picard really uh, through picard um although there's because um because we did decide to remove talents for the most part from this from this version of the game, um, it would be a very light lift for you to create a, for you to create a, a, a Quajon or a or Kelpian. Uh, as long, I mean, you could reference a, um, a STA book, or you could reference the handy dandy uh, STA character builder app that the BC Homes is doing such a fabulous job of maintaining. Because all you all you would need for the species are their um, are their attribute modifiers. And the and the description, right? And, and you're and you're up and running. Uh, but we do offer, you know, I think at least sixty or seventy different species in here. It's quite quite a large chunk. In fact, there's some species in here that we have not gotten to yet in Star Trek Adventures. So those of you who've been paying attention uh, may be excited to see that. Uh, but then, of course, if you're new to Star, Star Trek Adventures, then this will all be new to you anyway. 
Yeah, we, we snuck a dupler in from Lower Decks. <laughs> yeah, we got the duplers in here. We got Hordas and uh, a couple other, uh, I think there's a couple other ones that we snuck in here that have not appeared in a SDA product um, as yet. So I think that would be really interesting to see what, uh, what, what fan, how fans react to that. So... Uh, Josh, anything you want to add on, on species? Uh, yeah, just to say um, there's always in Star Trek Adventures been, you know, some guidance about how to make your own species. Um, but I think with the simpler rule set here, it, this is actually a great, you know, this this might be a great framework to make your own species. And, you know, maybe it's a species that is just entering the Federation for the very first time. Nobody knows what they're like and who they are. And you're completely defining that. And I think uh, we were able to distill down, you know, what that would look like in terms of what attributes do you need to, you know, what bonuses do you need to, to come up with, um, how to structure that. Uh, so it should be a very simple task if that's something that players want to do. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, for for those gamers who have played STA or new or people new to STA and to Captain's Log who might want more options, um, the species that have been presented in other products. Could very easily be ported over here. So I would like the uh, the the, uh, the four original species that we included in the Shackleton book. Uh, those four original species are not in here, but it would take like very little effort to, to bring them right into Captain's Law because you've already got all the information you need in the Shackleton book. Um, that's true for a lot of the other species. Um, but we also offer some sidebars in here about creating unusual or unique characters, uh, creating mixed species. Of course, uh, mixed species are are very common in Star Trek. So you might be you know half human, half Vulcan, half Klingon, half whatever. Um, you can you can mix and match as you see fit and create all kinds of amazing permutations and combinations because that's that's Star Trek, right? That's Idic. That's uh, infinite diversity, infinite combinations. Do literally anything your imagination can desire. Uh, get weird, right? Get weird and creative because no one's going to stop you and no one's going to tell you that you're doing it wrong. So uh, if you have a hankering to play a, uh, oh gosh, I don't know, a half... Uh, half Saurian, half pack led, do it, right? Go for it. <laughs> and then tell us the story and then share it so that we can read it and, and, and find out what amazing things to do. Uh, anyway, so from there, we uh, we go into uh, a lot of different elements of the life path. We got the, your environment, your upbringing, your outlook, uh, casts, if you choose to do casts, similar to Klingons. Um, although I think the way we wrote it, we were pretty careful not to be super specific about Klingons. I mean, we did talk about Klingons, but it would be pretty easy to port that cast system to an original species or to another species or to, to something else. If you want it, if you don't want it to be Klingon, you want it to be something different, but use that kind of same structure. Uh, easy to do that. Lots of tables, lots of advice in there on that. Um, and, and I'm glossing over this guys, you know, stop me, stop me if you want to go into a little bit more detail on some of this stuff. Um, education, uh, whether you went to a Starfleet Academy or somewhere else, you know, Starfleet Academy is not the only, uh, place in town. If you're a civilian, there's other places you might have gone. If you're not even in the Federation, there's other places you would have gone that might have given you a equivalent experience to the Academy, but maybe you just re reword it, reframe it, you know, whatever. That's uh, that's fairly easy to do as well. Um, allied military training is an option, et cetera, et cetera. Again, this is a great cheat sheet combining all those different books that have been published so far. Um, you could definitely use this as the basis to roll up your STA character if you just want it all in one place. There is the there is the value to that. Yep. Uh, and then uh, we uh, we talked a little bit about uh, career events. So you know, as you continue to go through the life path, you want to come up with a couple of different events that your character has experienced prior to you starting. Uh, this is something that you can do to just help fill out your uh, your character sheet. 
and to add more nuance and more detail to what your character is and what what makes them who they are. Uh, and then some final touches, you know, in terms of like rank, name, pronouns, um, uh, their role on the ship or their role on the station, whatever it is they do. Like, what is their what is their thing? What is their job? How are they contributing to the to the to the setting to the universe around them? Um, and that covers the character generation in general. Uh, we also offer some advice on again creation and play. Uh, which is uh, it seems to be very popular among the three of us. Uh, I think it's a great approach uh, because it doesn't take that long to kind of throw it together, and um, and because like and that's probably the fastest way to just get into the game and start playing is creation and play. Yeah, I mean basically it's uh, you know choose your name, your rank, your attributes, uh, pick two of your just you know assign rate ratings to two of your disciplines, and uh, and just get started. Just jump in, go, <laughs> just start having fun, get get, get playing. Uh, anything y'all want to add on the on those elements of um, character generation, whether it's the life path or uh, creation and play? I would just say that um, you know the life path is super fun. Um, just just you know thinking through it again, I, it makes me want to make another character. Uh, things like the career events really have great content about you know it's very stimulating because each attribute, each value, each element that you add to your sheet is meaningful. It comes from something that you're deciding about their story. Um, and then at the end of the day, it is just mechanical. So something that I enjoyed about the flowchart that sort of captures all these elements that you're walking through, Jim, is that at the end of the day, it just boils down to specific things to add to the sheet. So then you could actually use that and just jump off the rails. So if there is a career event that you can think of that doesn't quite fit the mold of anything in the tables, um, you see that it's really just adding a specific amount of attribute, discipline, focus, et cetera. And so you can just make up your own story and then make those changes and it will work um, because there are you know, checks at the very end to make sure that you haven't gone over any of the maximum values or you know everything will be in the right amount of balance if you if you just follow the chart yeah yep absolutely and uh you know hopefully we're providing the framework and hopefully players will feel empowered to get really creative and you know once you get into the game and you start getting some episodes and sessions under your belt maybe you'll decide you know what maybe i want my character to 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 go beyond those those guideposts right like i mean we uh we, we cap attributes at 12 and we cap disciplines at five, but there's no reason that you couldn't go beyond that and, and go further. I mean, that's, that's the kind of game you want to run, do it. Like it's not, it's not going to break the game. I mean, it, the math might get impacted at some point, right. Where to where you're probably not failing any task roles or anything, but you know, who cares? Right. I mean, if that's the kind of game you want to play, go, go for it. Someone has to, someone has to become a traveler at some point. A traveler, or maybe you decide to run a, you know, play an episode where Q decides to make you a member of the Q continuum, right? And then your attributes no longer matter because you can do anything you want at the snap of a finger, right? Uh, and that's a perfectly valid story too. Like, sure, why not play a Q? Uh, that would be a, a fun and interesting uh, uh, perspective to play. Um, so yeah, yeah, just to hopefully you uh, have fun with it. Uh, we start moving toward the uh, close of the chapter here. We do talk about character development. And uh, I know that um, um, a lot of players like to play games because they want to power up their character. They want to level up. They want to get new stuff. They want to get new abilities, new talents, new things for their character to be able to do. And um, the, <laughs> what I really like about this, this section is that we, uh, 
we we just really leave it up to the player. Up to it's like you you want to improve your character, you want to change your focus, you want to change your value. Okay, do it. Do whatever you want. You choose when you get a milestone. Is it at the end of the episode? Is it at the middle of some other episode? Like whatever. It's not it's not like you're going to gain X experience points at the end of this session, or you have to do X Y Z things, or you have to kill X number of Klingons to, or you have to defeat not kill necessarily, but you have to defeat X number of Klingons to to get enough experience points to level up or whatever. But like, well, for Go ahead, Michael. Yeah, I was gonna say, and for people, for people who in character development, who who this this is a very brief explanation about how to work milestones. Chapter six does get more into the hero's journey, so it kind of teaches you like, oh, I want my character to hurt, I want my character to change, I want them to grow, I want them to love. So just understand that this is a real quick, okay, how you can work milestones into a game, but really it's about character growth. Yeah, and character growth is something you can't, or I mean. Character growth in this kind of a game is not something that's going to be represented by mechanics or by numbers on a page because you just can't. It just like you, you look at somebody's life experiences, you can't distill that down into some numbers on a on a page, right? Um, in my opinion, anyway. I don't know how you guys feel about it, but uh, um, from a purely game perspective, like milestones is where you can change the aspects of your character. You can increase their numbers. You can decrease their numbers. Change the focuses. Change the values. That's a milestone. We're leaving it up to you to decide when you get a milestone. We're, there's no nothing in the game that says you will earn a milestone when X, Y, Z happens. In this, in Captain's Log specifically, now in STA, a little different, but in this game specifically, it's it's like it's entirely up to you. Michael, yeah, you're absolutely right. Ch later chapters talk about the hero's journey and things you should be thinking about as you're building out that narrative. But that's um, this is just getting into the character development part. Um, uh, Josh, anything you want to add on, uh, on character development? Yeah, just to say that, um, you know, in Star Trek Adventures, there's this thing called a spotlight milestone, which is awarded, you know, not based on mechanics, but really just based on the drama and what the group collectively, you know, feels was, you know, a key moment for a character. And I think it's almost like they're all spotlight milestones in Captain's Log because you really are are playing through your story and deciding when your character has made that leap forward. And so it is sort of, you know, in spirit, um, kind of aligned with, with what's happening in STA as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then we uh, we wrap up the chapter with uh, with uh, a, a very necessary chapter, <laughs> in my opinion. Um, maybe not necessarily for some people, but uh, for those of you who are playing Star Trek Adventures and might want to give Captain's Log a try with your same character, we give you some conversion options. So the, how do you take your SCA, existing SCA character and, and bring them into Captain's Log? And then going the other direction, maybe you played Captain's Log for a while, you really like it, you want to see what's the what's the star trek adventures version look like because you know obviously captain's log presents a streamlined version of the 2d20 system creates presents a streamlined version of star trek adventures um what if you want to play what if you what if you you know maybe you're lucky and you found some other players and a game master who want to run star trek adventures and you want to bring this character and all their experience and all their stories with you how do you convert that character from Captain's Log into Star Trek Adventures? So you can go both directions with these characters. And uh, I think we've made it pretty easy to do. Uh, Michael, what's your what's your thoughts? Yeah, when I wrote this chapter, it was about porting characters. So, so I imagine like, wow, can you port a character in and out of these different games? Could somebody take their character to Gen Con 
sit at a table and have this rich character that they could play in a one shot. And then it kind of got solidified a couple of weeks ago. We interviewed Dr. Erin McDonald and she said that she always plays the same character. She just ports it into whatever game. And I was like, Oh, that kind of matches up here. So here's the mechanic for doing that porting back and forth. And then there's some thought provoking questions that a game master can make sure to ask so that, they are able to blend you into their story. So um, the last session 0.1 is what it's called. And it just focuses on making sure that you don't go in with too much, you know, conflict to whatever they're going on in their game, but definitely portability is something that's going to be new um, as a mechanic really for Star Trek adventures. Yeah. Yeah. Josh, anything to add to that? Yeah, I mean, I think it's um, because the characters are fundamentally compatible. I, I think it's a pretty simple mechanic. I don't think there's math involved. Um, I think it's um, it's just a question of which elements are relevant in which setting. Um, and then I, I really liked that section on, you know, the, the advice of, of bringing your character. It's just the same as bringing your character to a new table um, in any role playing game and maybe even more so for you know, Captain's Log, because there are these open-ended focuses and values um, that are, they could be sweeping. You could be hyper-competent at everything, focus everything, right? I mean, if you're running a solo game and you do reach that queue or traveler level, you know, you might want to make sure that, that it gets into balance with, you know, what the rest of the table is doing when you bring this to a group. So just really uh, to... Um, to sort that out um, with your new game master and group, um, changing some of the values as necessary um, is, is, I think, going to be a key step. Yeah, cool, uh, excellent. Yeah, so that that is uh, chapter three uh, in its essence. Uh, we've covered, I think, pretty much everything. Uh, the only thing I'd want to add is that um, not only is this chapter useful for creating your character, whether you're going through the life path or creation and play. But as you're playing through Captain's Log and you're playing through your episodes and your sessions, if you, uh, I, you know, as your if your story leads you to a uh, an important non-player character or an important character that you're facing off, and you want to delve into a little bit more on that character, it's like, what, well, what is this character? What, why, what's important to them? What's, who are they? And how can I continue to fold them into my story? Uh, you can easily use a lot of the elements of this chapter, especially the probability matrices and the random tables to come up with a species and to come up with uh, some of their outlook and their perspectives and their backstory. And you can add all that in as additional detail to your story. So not only are you creating your character, you can use this chapter to flesh out other characters that will inhabit your stories. Uh, Cause of course we know with all the different Star Trek uh, movies and television shows out there, uh, it's not just one character, right? There's usually an ensemble cast that are the main characters. And then there's a huge assortment of supporting characters, especially with like, uh, you know, DS9 or Discovery. There's a lot of supporting characters that, that make regular reappearances um, that you can fold in here. And sure, why not take an opportunity to, to flesh them out a little more detail, depending on how far into the weeds you want to go. In fact, I could easily see where, you know, if you, if you get into this enough, maybe you play a whole bunch of sessions with your character and you're like, you know what, I'm going to take a break and I want to go, I want to go explore this adversary or this, this key NPC who keeps popping up somehow, this, this like Cyrano Jones type of character, like what's going on with them? And maybe I'll do a couple of Captain's Log sessions with that character and just kind of flesh them out a little bit more. And now you're just adding even more texture and detail to your, your, your ongoing uh, saga, as it were. 
Um, so yeah, don't don't be afraid to use these tools in other ways once you've built your character and you've started playing, you know, into into the game. Yeah, I love that you said that, Jim, because solo RPG does not mean you are playing one solo character. It means you're playing RPG alone. And I used to, I used to, when I used to play the superhero genres, I used to roll up entire teams and solo RPG by myself battles between teams of superheroes. So with that concept too, you could do your entire bridge crew here. There's nothing stopping you um, from doing that. In fact, I watched quite a few solo RPGers on uh, YouTube and yeah, they have full character sets. And they're just playing by themselves and rolling dice. So don't limit ourselves to thinking you only get to play the captain. Yeah, Michael, that's it's funny. Uh, if, you know, indulge me in a brief trend, a brief digression. <laughs> uh, we'll have to talk about maybe in a future episode. We'll have to talk about the comparison of superhero teams to to bridge crews, right? Because like there's a there's a I think there's a connection there that we haven't that I just you know haven't been thinking about, but. Uh, yeah, there were there were plenty of times when uh, Marvel superheroes, the TSR one was really big in my world, and uh, I would spend hours just creating new characters and teams. And what I really liked about Marvel superheroes is they had a um, they had a a, a template uh, like a like a like a, a male template and a female template of of the character outline, right? That you could trace over. That's right. Like draw draw your own costumes and stuff. And so I would I would spend a lot of time when I wasn't at school or I wasn't playing with my friends, uh, just creating characters, just creating new characters, new teams. And I would I would have my tracing paper and I would be tracing, you know, you know, oh, this team has like, you know, three guys and two women or, or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, and I would just start. So not only was I creating the characters statistically. Right. But I was also drawing them out. And of course, it was just a great way to just creatively, creative, creatively come up with new characters and new situations and new possibilities and stuff. And you can absolutely do that now with Star Trek, especially because there's some great um, uh, graphical token creators, uh, character creators out there. I, I know there are a handful of different people have created them where you can, uh, you know, use the tools in the book to create your character, you know, on a page mechanically, but then go create a visual, right? And now, you, now you've got all kinds of stuff and now you can, you, you can do your whole bridge crew like that if you wanted to. And like, you're, or if you're uh, like playing a department head, you could create your department, like your engineering department. Here's all the NPCs. Here's all the junior officers. Here's your enlisted crew, et cetera, and uh, and do all kinds of cool stuff with it. Um, uh, Josh, anything you want to? Any other color you want to add to our digression here before we wrap it up? <laughs> no, no, it's good. <laughs> we have we have, we have we beat it beat it to death here. <laughs> your chapter is the launching point for adventure in in this game so it's beautifully done um i wish all of you could see how much work josh put into it um worry and to get it to where it's at um like i said i played it with people who are fresh out the gate never watched star trek never played star trek games and um i talk about the weekend i took a friend 22 years old we, he's a hiker we wanted to go hiking we on a hiking trip he played four times in one weekend and came back asking like when are we playing again so that to me for the game to hit like that and by the way not even a geek either very was star quarterback on his athletic in the gym normally but all of a sudden now um on their eighth game now playing around the table just because this game was like i could do what i could do anything and so um you hit the mark again from the point of character creation he was already excited by the time we actually started rolling dice on the probability matrices he was addicted so good job josh awesome uh, thanks so much michael and jim and thank you so much for the opportunity uh it was a blast working on it and it's going to be a blast playing it i have so many stories that uh seeds of stories that i can't wait to water with this framework mm -hmm.
Fantastic. I can't wait. I'm super excited. All right. Well, let's uh, let's wrap that up. So that's uh, that's chapter three, character generation uh, for uh, for Captain's Log. Uh, we'll we'll be talking next time about uh, uh, starship creation because like just uh, just as important as characters in Star Trek, you know, our ships or our stations or whatever are important. So preview. We'll be talking about that soon here coming up. Uh, but for tonight, uh, Michael, why don't you uh, let's go into gratitude here and. Uh, what 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 gratitude do you have for uh, for this evening? Sure, um, someone from Discord, Garrett Crow, who's on the STA Discord. Um, he wanted to make sure he sent me a, a private DM. He says, "Michael, you got to shout out Dragon Snack Games in Amherst, New York. They do a wonderful job stocking STA material." So he sent that to me today. So I get it out in the airwaves. Fantastic! Uh, absolutely. And uh, Josh, what's your gratitude for tonight? Uh, I'm going to send a gratitude to a local facility. It's it's a little bit adjacent to role-playing games, but um, I just took my son to this Maker Nexus in Sunnyvale, California. Um, we did some cosplay stuff. We've had some uh, fun doing a little Star Trek cosplay. We did some 3D printing of badges, and we're just trying to get into that world. And it's it's so fun, and I'm just um, you know very grateful for all the resources that are helping people get into hobbies. Mm. Excellent. Excellent. Very cool. Uh, and so for my gratitude, I have two gratitudes tonight. The first one is going to be completely not related to Star Trek specifically, uh, but because we are now mid-June and uh, schools all around the country, probably all around the world are wrapping up their uh, their semester here. Uh, by and large, I want to say thank you to all the educators out there, no matter where, where you are, whether you're a, a teacher or a homeschooler or like whatever variety of educator you are. Thank you for everything that you do, all that hard work that you put in that is often not seen. Uh, we are, you are appreciated and you are loved. Thank you for everything you do. I hope you get a well-deserved break uh, before the uh, the next uh, the next semester starts. Uh, so thank you to all the educators out there, the ones that touch my life, the ones that touch my son's life, the ones that touch all the other people's lives out there. I think uh, I was actually having a conversation with my son today, and uh, just just uh, we were reflecting on how important it is to have good educators in your life who are passionate about what they do and what they teach, because uh, I've had, you know, great experiences. I've had terrible experiences. And I think uh, looking back, like some of those terrible experiences really kind of shaped my direction to some cases where if, uh, if I had had somebody more passionate about certain things, I may have gone a different direction, but uh, educators, if you find a good educator, they're worth their weight in gold. So, you know, um, pamper them, embrace them, give them everything they need because uh, uh, they're doing great work. So thank you, educators. Uh, and then also, uh, I want to thank you to all the Star Trek fans, all the Star Trek Adventures fans, all the Star Trek fans. Uh, thank you so much for being here with us for seven years and uh, and more. And uh, we couldn't possibly do this game without you. We wouldn't still be doing it without you. Uh, thank you for being so supportive of each other as well. Um, I see it every week. We get new gamers coming into all the different forums and social media groups and whatnot. And uh, I see how supportive you are of each other. And uh, that you're willing to answer the same questions over and over again is just inspiring because uh, in invariably we'll get new players into the game every week and they'll say, I am overwhelmed. There's so much Star Trek adventure stuff. Where do I even start? Like, what, are, what do I do? And uh, we're always, I always see fans taking it upon themselves to support each other. So thank you. It's a sign of a healthy game. I think this is a great fan base. I'm very grateful for all of you every day. And I try to make sure I say it every time we have an episode <laughs> so I don't forget. Uh, so thank you, everybody. Um, Michael, let's wrap it up here. I think this is a great episode. Thank you, Josh, for being here. Definitely. Really appreciate you. Really All right. Thanks to you guys. Yeah. We'll let the conversation continue. I-D-I-C. Yep. Live long and prosper. Be safe. Be well. We'll talk to you all next time.